Hi, everyone, and welcome to the In the Shoes of podcast, where I make it my goal to see life as much as possible from someone else's point of view. Just like we all have a unique heartbeat, every single one of us sees life only from our own perspectives. Think about it. Can you see and process life exactly as Elon Musk sees and processes life? The answer is you can't, and it applies to every living conscious being here on this pale blue dot. Have you ever been excluded just because of your lifestyle preference or simply because of the way you are? If you have, then I think you'll definitely relate with my next guest, Bridget Clinch. She's from Australia, and she definitely has a story to tell. And it's pretty humorous. She had her uh, three-year-old she was watching during the interview and he interjects at certain points it's pretty hilarious there and you know seriously if you've ever felt just excluded like an outcast a second class citizen and that there's nothing you can do about it well there i think maybe this this person bridget will or can give you some ideas about how you can fight if you need to, because to be honest with you, you should never be excluded just because of something innocuous and based on a lifestyle choice of, or based on simply who you are. You being you should never equate to being cast out of society are being treated as a second-class citizen. Now, it's different if, let's say, the real you is a sociopath and the real you wants to kill people. That's a different thing altogether because that's really, that's messed up. All right, and I'm not going to get into that. But if the real you is just simply you, you're not harming anyone, then, (laughs) and someone's trying to keep you down and keep you out, well then, Maybe it's time to fight. Anyway, without further ado, I present to you the interview with Bridget Clinch. Before we even get into, you know, your ever, because you have a fascinating story, and I feel like it's one that's poignant, and that, and especially in this modern day, many people need to hear it. So I, I want to, I guess. I want to first start off with how you define yourself right now and maybe how that differs from how you've defined yourself in the past. Um, hmm. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm defined as a trans woman now. Um, and I suppose that evolved a little bit because I guess my, I don't know, my understanding of, um, of gender and transitioning and all that kind of stuff has sort of evolved as well as Mm -hmm. in like I guess the narratives have changed around trans stuff since uh I guess all the literature and all the stories out there when I was starting to transition and was was finding out all this stuff it was all about disappearing and being stealth and that was success and and then I think over the last few years that those narratives have changed to being well no trans people are humans and we're acceptable in a public sphere and we should be able to be just accepted for who we are um and so it's kind of i guess i started off trying to fly under the radar and just be a woman and and then uh i guess activism and um and, and politics has sort of brought me into being a more visible trans woman again. So, um, yeah, I guess it's kind of evolved and I'm not hiding the trans part as much as I guess I was trying to a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, which is, it's, it's, it's different, I guess. Sure. And uh, when did you, when did you realize then that, uh, you know, essentially growing up in, um, you know, in a male body, when did you, and correct me too, if I'm even describing this wrong or asking the question incorrectly, but 
when did you de- determine that, no, it's actually a woman that I want to be or that you decided that really in your very essence you were? Yeah, it's uh, my origins sort of sound, um, it's it's almost cliche, I guess, the whole, oh, I've always known kind of thing. Um, no worries. And I guess that's sort of, um, I don't know, that's, I, that's how it's always been. I've known that something is always off. But I guess the difference between, you know, someone, uh, I was born in 79, and so I guess the difference between someone growing up at that age versus someone now is that there's way more information available now and it's easier to access. So um, you can have language to describe it, whereas I didn't have the language to describe it. Um, and it, it wasn't until I was sort of older and, you know, the internet was a bit better and stuff and that I could actually look it up and go, oh, okay, that's that that fits everything, you know, like, and, and and it wasn't that simple, you know. It was it scared the hell out of me the first few times. I was like, "This can't be real. This this isn't me." Like, no. So I guess I was resistant at first, and then um, yeah. you know you kind of um, get a bit resigned to it, I guess. Um, and you know before you can sort of accept it and and sort of embrace it, um, and you know society doesn't make that easy. Right. And that's what I was wondering, too, like what you struggled with. And especially I know that you, you know, loved and still love, from what I understand, uh, the army and that there were some changes that were made there. And that wasn't exactly an easy time. So can you uh, elaborate on some of those difficulties that you faced either in or outside of the uh, army or just in normal civilian society? Yeah, well, I guess I I did, I was in the military when, you know, full-time military and um, I was an infantry officer, uh, which, you know, at that point in time in Australia wasn't a male-only um, occupation, but it was, it was under, I knew it was under the process of changing because um, there was a UN convention um, on the elimination of discrimination against all women. And we had signed up to it, but we weren't fully um, compliant as, as, a, as a country um, because we had a few exemptions to do with employment, and that was one of them. So in order to be compliant with that, I knew that that was going to change and that there was, you know, whispers going on in the military. So I knew that was on the radar, but I guess for me, and initially I was kind of thinking um, that I would core transfer to another stream and I would sort of do whatever I could to keep my military career because I guess that was a key part of my identity that I didn't want to change. Um, so, you know, it's kind of weird when you think, hang on, most of the things in my life are sort of lining up, except this one thing, this, this you know, this huge gender thing. And you kind of, it seems, I don't know, like you want it to be almost treated as trivial in some ways so that you can just like sort it out and get on with life. Um, but yeah. then I guess for yeah. me, it, it just put up so many roadblocks. And the, and the, the I was really surprised, actually, in 20, 2009 and 2010, how resistant um, our military uh, was. Um, mm-hmm. I really didn't um, expect that level of resistance, given we had a, an okay history with, uh, I guess, the LGB part of the spectrum. Um, we... Uh, we had a good equality record with, with, with same-sex couples and stuff. So we had been treating um, same-sex couples the same as uh, married heterosexual couples for quite some years in the ADF before we had marriage equality. Um, so the entitlements and the conditions and the housing and all that sort of stuff was the same. So I thought, you know, we did that without the government sort of pushing us to do it. Um, and so I thought... Once I'd sort of looked into it a bit and I realised that Canada and the UK had actually had not too many huge problems with trans service because it was kind of pushed on them by their government when they uh, when they amended their anti-discrimination type stance um, and they included trans people initially, whereas in Australia we kind of left trans people behind. So hmm. I was I had the example of the UK and Canada which are very similar militaries and governments to Australia, uh, whereas America is quite different uh, in terms of government structure and military. So I kind of was... Yeah, sure was, is. Yeah, so I was kind of able to give that example to the Australian military and say, look, hey, 
here's what Canada and the UK do. Here's their policy documents that people have um, have given me because you know I, I soon discovered that there was this global trans network um, of, of military people, which was really funny. Like people just came out of the woodwork. And yeah, and I got policy documents and I got information and I gave it all to the ADF and I kind of thought, you know, hey, this is actually, this is going to work. Um, but then, you know, they were like, yeah, nah, sorry, we have to get rid of you. And I was thinking, no, this isn't, this isn't right. That's not how we do things right. in Australia. And yeah, so I guess I had to, you know, put a case together and, and fight them for it and, and, and force the change in policy. Um, yeah. And, and how, know, how did you do that? A like, lot what of did you have to go through it? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? I, I, I had to, you know, I kind of had to, because, you know, I, I was a, I'd gone straight from high school to the army and, you know, all my training was combat and leadership focused. Um, I hadn't gone to university. Um, so I really quickly had to get my head around things like the DSM, which I didn't even really know what that was. Um to sort of understand that it was an evolving document and just to understand the history of it and, and how that was relevant to, you know, the history of gay and trans people in that it was almost like we were criminalized at a point in time and then sort of decriminalized at a point in time in terms of, you know, having this disorder label. And so I kind of had to use that. Um, I used obviously all the UK and Canadian military type stuff and the fact that they had allowed people to transition they had covered all their medical expenses, which is, you know, what, um, you know, Commonwealth militaries do to keep their members deployable. And they had deployed trans people, both both other big militaries. Um, so the fact that they had managed to see people through transition, support them and then deploy them, I thought was a pretty solid case that we could do exactly the same. Um, because I'm not sure if you're aware in America, but, you know, the, the sort of Commonwealth type countries our military academies are quite aligned and so you can actually transfer from it's not the simplest of processes but it's it's way easier to transfer from the uk canadian australia new zealand militaries you can transfer between them if you want to um whereas we can't no stop and go to america or that americans can't stop and come here um so it is possible right. because our, because of the similarities that we have so with with that similarity in mind, that was what I sort of hinged my case on, and and also I guess a bit of case law in Australia. I'd never read case law before, um, <laughs> so I was looking at, at, at case law in terms of discrimination type stuff, um, where our legislation was at, but from state and Commonwealth, and because we have um, our states and territories, and then we have the Commonwealth, which is our federal legislation. So I was looking at all of the intricacies in that, and there was there was inconsistencies everywhere. Um, in the years since, the, the laws have been tidied up a lot, but I had very minimal protection under the law at that point in time, so I had a very thin case. Um, and I guess there were some family court rulings in Australia that really helped me, just some of the judges' concluding statements where they talked about um, that being trans uh, wasn't really um, a, a mental disorder. And so this was even back then, you know, back in the 90s and, and noughties, there was sort of case stuff where people had put the evidence forward to say being trans is like a legit you know thing it's not it's not a mental health condition it's not a psychiatric disorder this is just a part of the human condition and some people are like that so the fact that judges had said that i think went a long way um because sure. you know a, a lot of our law stuff relies on precedent and stuff like that so you know it was a hugely complicated thing that i had to learn on the fly and put together in a pretty short time frame, um, and get that to army headquarters and sort of explain to them why their their current policy that were precluded trans service was was not okay, and that we could actually support our trans members and deploy them. So and you know eventually um, the case was made and and they cancelled their their policy and trans people are are now able to serve. Yeah, uh, which is excellent. Amazing. I mean, I think that's, um, I, I'm really glad that you did that. And, uh, you know, in this day and age, especially when we have, it seems like we're, we're ebbing and flowing in, in various cultures with, you know, two steps forward, maybe a couple steps back. And some, and in some uh, countries, it feels like it's a little bit, maybe five steps back or five steps forward. So 
thank you for for doing that. I think that's a really good. Um, it's actually good leadership too, for uh, you know, uh, and representing, uh, you know, just the whole community of uh, for LGB, uh, LBG, LGBTQ, uh, the the whole community for sure. Just interjecting here, post interview. I had some trouble getting that out, right? Um, just letting you know that I uh, I use LGBTQ, that acronym in this interview, while Bridget uses LGBTI, the I meaning intersex. Since its inception, the, uh, the acronym has changed. And even now, it's, there's a version that's quite long, has a lot more letters to it, and there's some debate around that but I am not going to touch that right now. I'm not going to get it, not going to get into it or delve into it. It's not the point of this interview. So, but I just wanted to at least point out the differences in the way we were speaking, however you want to put it, LGBTQ or LGBTI. So I meaning intersex and the Q meaning queer. So there you go. Onward with the show. That rhymed, right? So, uh, can you can you elaborate on what it means then, even right now in this day? Because I assume you're not in the army at this point in time, right? No, I'm I'm not because I guess you know um, it's really tricky. Like there's a and I didn't actually really get into the terminology until recently when I was sort of looking it up because people keep asking mm-hmm. me, oh, why couldn't you just why couldn't you just compromise and, and why couldn't you just you know? But I mean, basically, they're asking me to accept being a second-class citizen, you know, um, to try and sort of make gradual steps rather than getting it all to happen at once. But um, I guess the the issue was that I, I lost or trust in the organisation and the leadership. So that that was, I guess, the way some people just have described that is that it's like a relationship Um that you have between people, but you know, between a person and an organization, or um, you know, the leadership culture or the, and their peers in, in an organization. So that was kind of that was strained. And I, you know, this I guess the way I described it before was kind of sounded straightforward, but it took um, <laughs> it took uh, the better part of uh, two years to sort of iron out all the the policy issues so you can imagine someone transitioning um freaking out about being trans and how they're going to be in the world whilst their hierarchy is you know telling them that they're no longer able to do their job um right and then once once that policy thingy was was out of the way um Sorry, it's all the guy with his Star Wars. <laughs> no worries. Um, Is Re- Return of the Jedi not working anymore? No, we're, no, we're back to we're on Lego Star Wars now. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. It's quite funny oh. actually. The droid tales. Um, yeah. The, yeah. So, I, I guess I'm, I made it sound simple, but it was it was constant roadblocks. It was every little sure. sort of small aspect. You know, uniforms, hair. Um, just certain aspects of medical stuff like everything was put up as a no we can't do that and i had to sort of justify why that you know that wasn't the right answer and this is how you support trans people and this is how this is the answer so i had to go and seek the answers for them give it to an obstructionist organization that was really dragging their heels and and do that each step of the way and so by the time uh i sort of had had my surgery and was sort of um getting back into trying to resume normal type work there was still even more you know they wanted to go make me go back in terms of seniority and there was all sorts of it was just this constant um slog so after a couple of years of that um i guess you know there was a pretty decent amount of depression and anxiety around a lot of that and so i ended up getting discharged um so you know it really wasn't workable for me to keep um, you know, being in the military with those people that had made my life hell for two years. Um, right. So, yeah, whereas that support, and, and I've seen, um, you know, New Zealand did a really good job with their first trans person and just sort of got in their corner and supported them through it. And, you know, it was it was a, 
the contrast with, between New Zealand and Australia dealing with their first trans defence people was night and day. Um, but you know, they they we did it wrong. They did it right. It's it's that simple. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So it's kind of, and you know, I'm still dealing with unpacking some of that stuff now with um with psychologists and trying to get to you know the root of some of some of those issues because they it's a pretty big thing to um you know that that was a big part of my identity and my life and it wasn't something I was ready to give up yet so you know that's caused a lot of lasting uh issues I guess yeah no I I can imagine and have you I I don't know how it is in Australia but I know and and America's such um we have so many different, there's so many facets to it. It's a very multifaceted country, just like many, I mean, every person and country is multifaceted, but yeah, it seems like, um, you know, so there are of course parts of America where it's like completely okay. Like where the city I'm in, in Austin, it's generally, um, just like ex- accepted, you know, for the most part, I know that in certain parts of the country, however, that's not the case. And, you know, there have been people that have been, you know, killed over it. So how is it in Australia? Have you experienced anything like that where it's like even just violent, you've kind of feared for your life because of your identity? Um, no, I, I mean, uh, I, I guess the, yeah. the worst stuff I get is the odd, like maybe someone might say something, you know, in person, but a lot on, online. Um, cause I guess mm. they're too gutless to say it to your face, but um, course, I think, yeah. like, we're, we're much less extreme, I think, in Australia. So, like, I think we're a bit more bland. Just, you know, we don't have the numbers that America has population-wise. So, you know, those the fringes at both ends are not, are not as out there, I don't think. So, um, you know, we don't have any real places where we have the super, super-duper accepting stuff and we don't have the other real places where it's totally um unacceptable and i guess it's not it's probably not as not as hard in australia to to move as it might be in the states i guess so you know if you grow up in a a more rural place in australia it's pretty easy to um if you know if if you've got something about you that you you don't really want to deal with in that area it's not that hard to get to the city um oh sure yeah yeah so and and i mean the only, there, I mean, there was a murder of a trans woman in in my city a few years back, but um, I guess the way the police handled it pretty well, the media didn't uh, so well, but I mean that was treated. It was an intimate partner um, setting, so I mean they really looked at that more. It wasn't a hate crime; it was just a straight out, you know, domestic violence situation between gotcha. you know, between a couple. So. Um, yeah, and it, but then of course know, the media, ways, but then the media actually took it and sensationalized uh, it. The, yeah, and the, the, the newspaper actually had to apologize for some of their headlines and some. Uh, it was just nasty. Um, whereas you know the the police and the authorities kind of, it, it's in some ways it's kind of good that you know we were just you know the the, the it was just seen as normal people. Um, but yeah. I guess in terms of stats and whatever, like we don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm we don't have that crazy high uh you know like people aren't just murdering trans people as a bit of a pastime because they're uber conservative <laughs> yeah they should you know so right yeah, yeah. And, and i don't and i don't think it's that that bad here although i i don't know the numbers so I, I, <laughs> the numbers you know, aren't that up and i might be scared <laughs> yeah exactly so and let me ask you this i've been really curious about um and I've, I've, even here in austin i have um you know friends that are same-sex couples and they have kids and they're raising kids and uh which is a beautiful thing and i have you know me personally think it's a great thing in fact i see them as being sometimes a lot more sound than some uh you know of the your your uh, standard heterosexual couples raising their kids but it's just i think it doesn't it comes down to things like race where it just doesn't matter there's going to be some people that are you know, are going to be doing things a little bit more the right way, and some people that don't do things not quite so much the right way as as uh, you know. So, but uh, from what I can, uh, what I'm trying to say is like I I have no problem with it. I think it's great, and I wonder 
have you experienced anything like having, a, I don't know how many kids you have. I know at least one for sure, you know, even from this podcast yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but got how, three. how has got two, how, two big girls got three. Funny, little, little toddler guy from um my uh my current relationship um and i yeah i guess we haven't run into too many obstacles with that i mean we're down to fine tuning yeah. like the language and organizations and on application forms and um mm -hmm. where you know again it's a numbers thing you know it's not super common but it's not you know most people um I think these days would would at least know of if they don't know directly, you know, a sort of same sex couple with kids, and yeah, I think yeah, it's just, and I guess it seems it seems like a very much more deliberate act to have kids as a same sex couple, um, you know, because there's certain hoops you got to sort of jump through before you can make things happen. And, yeah, you know, got to do deliberate fertility processes and stuff. Right. And so whereas which you know, I think that's probably don't have accidental kids <laughs> so. right and i think that's probably why like when i said that it's like a lot of you know the same-sex couples that have kids it seems like they're really on top of their game like exceptional parents and i think you just kind of explained right there why because it can't just be accidental it has to be more deliberate so that's interesting interesting thing to think about anyway i didn't want to interrupt you but i thought it no that's good it's like so I guess, you know, and, and you know, the fertility places are, are, are pretty, are, are all good. I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of them are in the cities, you know, which is where mo the most progressive sort of aspects are, I guess. But, you know, they're all pretty, um, uh, like the laws are pretty good around that sort of stuff. Like um, same-sex couples are listed as parents on birth certificates and stuff. And, um you know, it's pretty straightforward and they have a bit of counselling around it just to sort of um, make sure that you, you're, you're ready and that you've to check that you've kind of gone through all those deliberate things. And yeah, like it was a pretty, it's a pretty good process. And, um, and yeah, I, I, and I think by the time our little guy's, you know, a big guy, um, I really think it's going to be even better. Like it's just going to be so much more accepted and, and sort of, you know, normalized. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, throughout all of this, what, and, and it doesn't even have to be during this time, but what is the most difficult thing or, uh, I guess, circumstance that you've had to endure? And I guess it doesn't necessarily even have to be as, as part of this as, you know, transitioning from a man to a woman uh, and all of the things that you encountered there in the Army. It could be just even, like, from whenever, um, it, just to, to get a better gauge, and and I want to do a flip side of that too. But for right now, uh, if you could describe some of the most difficult challenges you, the, even the most difficult challenge you've had in life, um, it's de it's definitely a steep learning curve. But I think you know, uh, only positive stuff comes from you know learning and 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 evolving. You, it's all it, that aspect of things is all good. But I guess. The, the hardest thing is just knowing that um, society hasn't caught up yet, you know, and general attitudes are still, um, there's just a lot of resistance to accepting that, you know, we're legitimate people and that we just deserve basic decency and rights um, and that we shouldn't be the butt of jokes in comedies and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, there's still that societal lag. Um, and that's that's really hard to, to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Can you elaborate on on that? Like, uh, because yeah, talking about media, we've we've mentioned you know like sensationalist news a little bit. Um, you know, with the the murder that happened. Now the police actually handled it well, just like a, a domestic dispute. Um, and then you you mentioned like um, television shows that maybe uh, are offensive or uh you know just are not respectful to the transgender community can you comment on that a little bit like where where are we going wrong and is it widespread media is it mainly like from american media american media of course is just everywhere i know yeah. um, or is it just you know yeah for better or worse uh or is it where are you seeing that um i guess what uh what's frustrating sitcoms are, are terrible um 
you know, like they, because they just, ah, uh, they just don't think, you know, and they go, oh, let's have this great joke where the punchline is a trans person. And it's like, no, like that completely delegitimizes us and just completely reduces us to a joke, you know, and, and especially at a time where we're struggling so much, like if we had all of our rights and equality and everything was simple under the law um, and and participating in day-to-day life, you know, like, you know, we've got higher unemployment rates and, and all the bad stats, you know, we've got higher of, you know, mental health and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, if every, if all of that stuff was dealt with and we were cool and able to joke about ourselves, um, you know, in that in that sort of way, like it could it, it would be tolerable. But we're so far away from that. It's not um, like that's it's not OK. Like it's just like a, a foot on our heads holding us down, you know. So the other the other one is, I guess, the commer- like the commercial media in, in Australia, like we. It's not as extreme because obviously, you know, the, the, the internet's great. You know, we get to see the the best and worst of, of of American stuff as well as our own stuff. But so, you know, most most commercial media is owned by conservative sort of entities and whatever. But um, ours are less extreme than yours. But they're, you know, they're just as ignorant and they're just as able to, you know, sort of be deliberately obtuse and, you know, ignore the development and and just sort of you know be belittling and 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 sort of you know yeah pushing that sort of bad narrative and and and, and push things under that whole false balance like oh i'm just asking or whatever and it's like no that's been resolved like don't just ask um <laughs> you know you're not playing devil's advocate right. you're just being obtuse you know we're past that um and right. so our our um you know our smaller media outlets, our independent ones, and and that's they're usually pretty good, um, and pretty fair and balanced and stuff. Uh, and I guess at least aware of what's going on. So, yeah, it's it'll take a while to sort of, uh, you know, because there's media standards and stuff, but it's still, you know, they they they've prepared to stomp all over them and and apologize later, um, because no one sees the apology; they just see the sensational clips. So. Yeah, yeah because unfortunately, it's all about getting those numbers, right? The rate, yeah. ratings and reviews and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. It made me think when you were describing that, and I know it's not it's not an exact situation, and not you know, I think it's analogous though, to an extent to where even I think of like the civil rights movement in in the states back in the '60s, where you know we still had segregation, which is absurd. Right. And of course, we now have our our uh, there's even more of an uprising with alt-right neo-Nazism stuff and ported stuff like that. But I remember, you know, it would be akin to the media completely just using and possibly they did. I I don't know. Uh, I'd have to look into it of just using those circumstances or using uh, a person of color as the, the, the butt of a joke during that time. When things were extraordinarily difficult for yeah, that I, I uh, you know, group of people, mm. I mean, I, I just when you were describing, I was thinking, you know, it's it's not it's going to. Of course, we're talking about two different things. I'm I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it yeah. reminded me of. And I guess that the scale, just attack, right? You know, yeah, like I, I I sort of see things as as though you know, like you know, there was the women's um, women voting. You know, that was that was huge. That involved half the population and. You know, and that was a long time ago, yeah, and we really right. didn't have our heads around equality and progress and rights and stuff. And then, you know, by the time we were getting to the civil rights movement, you know, we had a bit more of an understanding of how things work and, you know, and how to make progress in society. And we were, you know, we were almost um, a super modern society where we are now. Um, but I guess as you progress, the rights you're fighting for are always going to be for a smaller sort of you know, slice of the population pie. And so, you know, as trans people, we're a tiny, tiny, tiny little wedge. We're not a huge wedge like, you know, people of colour or women or, you know, trans people are a tiny, tiny little slice. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really hard mm-hmm. to get the mass behind your movement to get that heard. Um, and to, That is a good point. Yeah, so to, it's, that's, that's one of the difficulties that we face, I suppose. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this then. Um, so, and, and I guess I'm just going to continue on with this analogy. I've, I've uh, spoken with 
you know, various, uh, in fact, I interviewed one woman who was, she's going to be uh, part of, I'll probably be releasing that episode this coming Monday. But we talked about something called white tears and, you know, how the media portrays always, and it's really kind of re- absurd and ridiculous of the white person coming to the rescue of the person of color and whatnot, or of the, you know, the black family. And, uh, or, you know, like these white tears. And now it just gets a little bit absurd. I, I have no, I think that it's good for all of us to be united. And, you know, like when you see some of the like civil rights movements back in the 60s here in the States, you know, both black, white, and otherwise coming together and fighting, which I think is a necessity. But how is it in, you know, the transgender community? Is it, um, how would it be taken if, you know, uh, do you, I guess what I'm asking is, would you welcome the reinforcements for people of whatever uh, sexual preference or even political preference if they were willing to come and fight with you, you know, with, with in, you know, wherever that was needed in whatever case, right? Yeah. Um, how would that be perceived or taken? I guess, you know, I think uh, so, some people are resistant to take sort of outside help, you know, um, from outside the mm-hmm. the community or bubble. Um, but I guess mm-hmm. I, I'm aware that we need, um, we need allies. Like, you know, we need... Um, because it's right now we're still like we're only just getting our sort of first wave of trans role models that are being portrayed in a positive light um we've got like a handful around the world um you know like until orange is the new black came out you know laverne cox wasn't on anyone's radar and you know she's been awesome um and oh hello toddler man can you go back (laughs) Oh, he's always wanted to be interviewed. Yeah. Can you go back to Star Wars, please? I'm going to play with you in a little bit. Um, yeah, no. So I guess our, our role models are only just starting to, to come in. And yeah. Okay. You sit there. Um, so with, with that sort of first wave of role models, we're sort of, um, you know, we're not sort of. I don't know, we're not even really mature as a movement, I don't think, really. Um, and so bringing on allies is, is still pretty essential. Um, you know, and I guess in Australia we kind of, um, I'm not sure, like, like how, how it sort of goes over in America, but things like, you know, the head of the medical association or the psychiatric association or psychological or whatever, like, they can present a bit of a, a point or a case and get at least some recognition as, as being valid here. Um, you know, so they're, they're good allies at times. Um, uh, yeah, but I guess that whole white knight um, situation that you're describing where people come in and sort of take over an issue and like, hey, I'm the white activist, like, I'm here to save you. Like, um, <laughs> right. I guess you don't see a lot of that with, oh, Actually, no, I lie. You do see a bit of that, especially, I guess, within the LGB world. Um, you know, they might mm-hmm. sort of want to be seen as a really good ally and then stomp all over all of our stuff and get everything wrong and don't want to be told or oh. to learn. So you do get that. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And that's tricky to deal with because you're kind of like, look, you're in the right sphere, but if you just tweak, don't say that. Like, just, yeah, just rein in this. Just and- come come to help don't come to try and take over right yeah is so, that kind of the way to look at it maybe yeah so it's quite tricky and you know i mean even when people say lgbtiq plus community or whatever um you know we're not a uniform community we're just a, a collection a collective a loose collective at that we're not all on the same page right right and you know there's no spokespeople and there's no um so it's really it is really <laughs> tricky to get people thinking you know along the same lines Right. So have you seen, let's, well, let's, let's dive into the, if, and I hope I don't, I hope I'm not taking all of your time and I won't, I'll try to keep it, lead us to a couple more questions, but your opinion on, all right, on, uh, cause it seems like there is maybe a little bit of a, maybe not rift, but you know, you have, a, you're like LGB, you know, lesbian, gay, uh, bi, uh, and then the, you know, 
but the transgender queer is there is there something like have you seen a, a some rift between you know those two or three or four you know i mean we have we were we were left behind i mean in australia we were quite obviously left behind um in a lot of legislative areas and so it's pretty um, it's frustrating when people talk about, you know, the LGBTI or, you know, whichever version of the acronym they use. But course, what they're yeah. really yeah. meaning is they're just really looking at, at even the, just the L's and G's, you know. Um, so it's, 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 and that's what, you know, Defence literally did that whilst I was transitioning. They were like, they were fighting me and it was at the point where I still had been given my notice to discharge and I hadn't I had that overturned yet. Um, and I hadn't had their trans policy cancelled, and they were pushing themselves as LGBT champions, LGBTI employer champions, and I was like, no, hold on, no, this is not okay. You are L, you are L and G, um, maybe B, uh, but yeah. So it does happen where people sort of claim to be for everyone, but they're only for their own little subset, um, and they're they're more than happy to sort of throw us under the bus, um, in some respects, right, um to you know get their rights or get their cause put forward but not the whole um or not every aspect of of you know the rights side of things um i mean even as with our marriage equality you know we had a few tailors to tie up with um trans people were still forced to divorce to get their birth certificate for a good um uh, well every state still hasn't fixed that up so to a same-sex couple can get married oh. now but if you're married and trans in certain states of australia this you, there's still this lag because they haven't removed that in legislation yet um and it's like it could have all been done at once but it you know it wasn't and now it's being done peacefully right. so yeah there there is there is yeah. a, a sort of fracturing i don't think it's deliberate um mm -hmm. it just kind of you know the the loudest ones get the attention first and the, the more prominent ones and there's obviously more more gay guys advocating and you know a lot of um, lesbians with kids and families and, and just the, you know, the typical sort of, I guess, sexism type things that sort of hold some of the women back from getting heard. And then trans people are sort of a step behind that as well. So, yeah, we, we really are pushing, pushing shit uphill sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um... But it, it, I guess overall, though, would you say that uh, it sounds like there have uh, there has been at least some progress made, and that you know, yeah, there's, you know, some pushing shit up a hill for sure. But it sounds like there has been some progress, so that hopefully it's it's uh, just continues to get better, you know, as opposed to going backward. Right? Yeah, you know, I think we're, I we're know, on the right track. Situation. I think in in Australia, in a lot of ways, um, we do have a bit of conservative pushback at the moment, but nothing like the scopes that you're having in the states now. Um, and I guess you know, I, I being a, that's someone okay. that's a member of a political party and has run for office here, like I I keep aware of what's what's going on as much as I can, and yeah, mm -hmm. so I can see the U.S. kind of trying to descend into turning into turning itself into Gilead. Um, and we're we're very much we're not going down that same path. Um, uh, you know, we're getting a bit conservative with our uh, like our financial type stuff, and we're we're definitely following that U.S. neoliberal um, capitalism out of control type um, situation. But in terms of our civil rights type stuff, yeah. we're not um, we're not winding things back. Um, Good. So Good. yeah, glad to hear that. Yeah, it's 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 baby oh. steps at times, but it's definitely going the right way. Uh, that's that's I'm I'm very relieved to hear that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so, what what's one thing? And I, I only have two more questions then for you, and I'll let you uh, you know play with the little one for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is it? <laughs> what is the main thing or things that you would like others, especially for those who don't understand what it means at all? be transgender or what it means to go through that or the feelings involved with it what is one thing that you would like others to understand about being transgender this day and age um i i guess 
not even from like a technical sort of standpoint or a lived experience sort of standpoint, but more just that they're all of the things that they say um, in their not understanding of how we are. So, you know, like you're talking social media articles or conversations that that people have when there's a trans person in the media. Literally everything they say, oh, but what about, what about chromosomes or what about this, what about that? Like all of those things have been like sort of dealt with and put to bed as issues. Um, and by them in from coming from a totally uninformed position and making claims about us and about why we're not legitimate and that kind of thing like that is that is probably one of the biggest barriers to us just participating in <laughs> you want to do stretches my little girl wants to do yoga um <laughs> okay we'll get to that um go get the mat go get the mat upstairs um He's going to get the yoga mat. So, yeah, so back to that very important topic. Um, so, yeah, that whole um, – it's just that misinformation thing, you know, and that people wanting to have an opinion and wanting to be heard, but they don't actually they don't actually know. And I think if we could just get everybody to just challenge their assumptions, when they're, especially when, you know, they're not, they're not experts, they don't know anything about us, and it's kind of like it's really strange that people think that they're – questions coming from a complete place of ignorance haven't already been dealt with um and constantly facing that is really it's just it's like death by a thousand cuts and it's just a real it's like an endless barrage it just needs to go away <laughs> right right so i guess education is probably yeah it comes information down to, is key you know yeah yep okay no, that's and that's very fair, and I think that's probably a very lucid way to look at it. Um, you know, because you you would you could and you would even be in your right to be, and I'm sure you have gotten angry plenty of times. Oh yeah. Um, but to be completely just indignant and just want to lash out, but for you to be lucid about it and to know that well, people need to be educated and. So get yeah. So I think for all the listeners out there, if, you know, if you want to learn more, or if you have questions about, huh, maybe uh, you haven't been as sensitive as as you need to be, or or maybe you know you have, or maybe you just want to learn more. It's it's always good just to learn more about all of you know of humanity about each other. Um, yeah. So, well, I, I just have one more question oh, yeah, for you. Yeah. What? No, go ahead. I was just going to yeah. say, like, it's just what easy were you for someone to make a comment. Um, out of ignorance, as it, as it is to to Google search why why that comment isn't is or isn't valid, you know, before you even put it in a public sphere, and it's kind of odd that people see a news article about trans people, make some silly, flippant, offhand comment that totally denounces us, that's already been debunked, um, and when they could just Google it, you know, and potentially yeah. learn something, right? Yeah, and then there is the problem, too, of just your standard trolls who will just, you know, it doesn't even matter. It's just all about trying to basically belittle another person because it's, you know, whatever, it's just someone in their basement or whatever that uh, it's, you know, just trolls are, are ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's actually pathetic what they do. But I think that's probably a part of some of that, too. But for those who are not trolls and they actually, you know, are, are just like making those comments offhanded. Maybe it's because of whatever kind of worldview that a person necessarily, you know, tends to have, then that for sure. I agree. Just go do a Google search, find out, or, or better even, you know, find out if, if you have access to a person or a friend who knows someone or is um, in the transgender community. Uh, to me, that's why that's that's why I want to have you on the show, so that you know we can put it out there. And because uh, I, I think the more voices, uh, the better. And that's so. I, that's another reason why I really appreciate you coming out of the show and doing this. So, excellent. Well, one more question then, and then I'll let you get to the uh, yoga session that I feel is about to happen. It is pretty soon here. Mats are rolled out. It's gonna <laughs> excellent it's gonna happen. Yoga. <laughs> that is so cool. Excellent. Okay. So 
I want you to imagine, I don't know if you've been to Queenstown in New Zealand, but I want you to imagine that you are in Queenstown. It's a beautiful town in the South Island of New Zealand. And you decide to go hiking. And all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, a spacecraft appears. <laughs> Time seems to freeze. And out steps an alien who goes by the name of Ford Prefect. Ford, Sorry, what was that as name? you find out, is a journalist from... Ford Prefect, and oh. that is actually not mine. That comes from the book Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy right, sure. by Douglas Adams. I totally just stole that. Usually I use Benedict Cumberbatch oh, okay. from England, but I'm using Ford this time. <laughs> so Ford Prefect steps out, and he looks like a normal human, but you find out that he's actually from another galaxy, and he is a journalist, an intergalactic journalist, who is here on the planet for only five minutes, and he has chosen you as the sole representative of the planet Earth to describe to him what it means to be human and how you perceive life on this planet. Oh, so you have five minutes. Five minutes. What would you tell? Without, yeah, and you have plenty of, you can think about it. Without being, yeah, yeah. but that, does that eat, in, eat into my five minutes? <laughs> I'm, I'm no, it doesn't. No, oh. no, you do have, no, you have, you have uh, time to think about it and then you have five minutes to explain it. He has about, uh, you know, ten minutes. <laughs> I might or so need to hitch to... a ride, oh. and um, and we can sort of talk it out on the way. Um, <laughs> maybe he can upload some That's... of our internet, you know, to to some sort of data cache thing, and then we can I can show him some stuff. Um, I don't know. Like I guess, like I sort of see as I know you want to do stretches, little man, but I've got to talk to a space alien journalist for a podcast thought experiment. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess you know, I sort of think, as we understand it, like life to me seems to be this thing that is just battling against um, entropy and uh, just, I don't know, like I don't, um, that's that's kind of like the information that, that, that I think um, where it leads us to. Um, and we're just struggling to understand things. Um, and, yeah, I guess we're, we're, we're imperfect and, and a fragmented, you know, we're not a, a unified sort of populace or anything yet. We're so far from it, it seems. Um, yeah. Um, wow. I don't know. Uh, what else? What does life mean to us? And what was the other part of it? Just, uh, yeah, and that's really, really essentially it. Just how how you perceive life on this planet, what it means to be human. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think as a as a collective, we're still trying to figure that out. We're, and we're still in our relatively early stages of trying to figure that out. Um, you know, we've 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 and i guess i you know i'm a big fan of science and and um you know i subscribe to like jpl and nasa and all those things on on youtube so i watch all those cool um videos about what's going on which kind of you know potentially skews my perception but yeah i guess we literally are just trying to make order out of chaos and um and trying to find out ourselves um Yep. Yeah, and we're still at that stage. Um, yep. Yeah. No, that's that's a really good. I like that answer. Actually, yeah, it's no. Seriously, I get I get a different answer every single time, and I like that one too. That's probably the most because I, I can feel it's well. For one thing, it's very honest, and and you're. I one thing I always say to people is that we are, even though we think we've made so many advancements and don't get me wrong we have made many advancements but we're still very much in our infancy we are a young species but really we haven't been around for so long and obviously when we're talking about societal matter matters we have a long ways to go so i definitely agree we are still finding ourselves yeah <laughs> we are trying to figure out how to battle against entropy yeah <laughs> go ahead amateurs we're still we're not professional we are <laughs> at this existing type thing yet. no um yeah. yeah exactly 
No, most definitely. Just like we look back on doctors who performed lobotomies and did bloodletting and shock therapy, you know, we we think of oh, amateurs. But, you know, just like in a few years, the doctors will look back or, or civil leaders, especially in the States, like look back on this time and be like, what were you guys thinking, you know? Um, and then a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, I can't even imagine. So, no, I agree. And I, I, I wish I could be around to see how that all plays out, um, you know, but I, I, I think as long as we keep on pushing forward and trying to make things better and actually considering one another um, and not letting our, our own, because we can be narcissistic creatures, but if we don't let that get in the way, I think, I think we may just be all right as long as we don't destroy the earth and in the meantime, I guess you know, that's but... you know that's our that's a bit of a concern. I mean, I yeah, I we were we were on track to to wipe ourselves out if we didn't get on top of um, CFCs. I didn't realize how um, how close or not like because they said by by about 2060, if we hadn't stopped putting CFCs into the atmosphere, we potentially would have turned mm-hmm. the Earth into some post-apocalyptic type you know movie setting. Um, uh, with the destroying of the whole ozone layer. Um, so, you know, we kind of dodged wow. that one. And I guess now the current thing is, is climate change. You know, it's happening and it's what we do with it and how we minimize and mitigate and address it that's going to be our next big test um, as a species. Well, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, still still amateurs. We'll, fi- yeah. we'll have to figure a lot of stuff out. I think so too. Hopefully, we don't ruin that Great Barrier Reef in the meantime. You know, yeah. And where, 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 Bridget, where are you at in so Australia? I'm in Brisbane, which is the it's the capital of Queensland. Which so the Barrier Reef is a bit further north in Queensland um, than where I live, because um, I guess you know our states are pretty big, um, and I don't even know how many hours it takes to get from the top to the bottom of Queensland. But yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty big state. Excellent. Okay. I need to make it up there. I need to go to, uh, yeah, Brisbane. In fact, last, uh, just a couple of days ago, I interviewed another, uh, a lady from, from Brisbane oh, cool. as well. So I might as well just go to Brisbane and start just, uh, interviewing people. It's a good place. There because, uh, yeah, I've already. Yeah. Highly recommended. Sounds, sounds. Okay. And is there good surfing nearby? Ah, uh, the Gold Coast and I guess the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of, plenty of coastline and surf here. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I wonder why I remain landlocked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, that's, I need to go out. I'm going to go visit Brisbane sometime. So I'll let you know if I, I swing by and we can, uh, you know, grab some coffee or something. Or, yeah, for sure. Or whatever. So cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. I know you have your, your yoga session to get to. I do. Um, so yeah, I'll let you get to that. But thank you for your time. And, you know, if, um, here, I'm going to actually, well, let, let me ask you this too. Is there any way, uh, like, do you have a website or anything like that? You'd give it, like, give a shout out to, um, um I'm just Bridget Clint or a way on, for people to contact yeah, you if you want on Twitter and Facebook. And, um, I've got a public Facebook page, um, and my Twitter profile and I'm on LinkedIn and stuff. Um, and yeah, like people find okay. me to do, um, you know, to do speak, uh, like speaking engagements or panels and stuff. Um, I've actually got to fly to Canberra for a panel in a month's time. Mm. Um, so yeah, cause I guess, you know, I, I did achieve a first in Australia and, and it was a big, a big change and it required a, a fair amount of, um, you know, effort and research to go into it. So there's a lot of people, uh, in the health field and, and even the law fields that, um, are keen to sort of pick my brains at times as to you know how I did it and stuff like that. So it's been an interesting last couple of years, really. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, then that's that's good to know. So if anybody you know wants Bridget Clinch to come and speak or be <laughs> on a panel, then uh, you can be reached on uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the the major uh, social media platforms, yeah. and it's just under they can just search for uh, Bridget Clinch. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I guess we can put a link in the podcasty thing, can't we? Yeah, most definitely. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll look it up and I can include that. Or if you want to send me some links uh, or any other information you want me to include in the show notes, I can definitely do that. 
without a doubt. Easy. Easy enough. Perfect. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to stop the recording here. Cool. Hey, thank you so much for checking out this episode of In the Shoes Of. If you like or don't like the podcast, feel free to leave a review or reach out to me. My email is jnickel42 at gmail.com. can't promise you I'll get back to you right away, but I'll definitely try and get to it. Anyway, thank you so much for checking it out. Until the next time, see you later.